So Lord, we worship you. We acknowledge, God, that there's nothing that compares to your love. And that all we can do is say thank you. All we can do is worship you. All we can do is shout for joy for what you've done, what you're doing, who you are in our lives, God. Help us to not lose focus on that. As seasons change, Lord, we know that you never do, and we praise you for that, oh God. Thank you for being faithful in every season. We ask that you would speak to our hearts today through your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. 1 Kings chapter 18. We finished, and Elijah had defeated the Baal and Asherah prophets on Mount Carmel. And now we're going to talk about the rain, the rain. We already know that in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1, that God had already promised Elijah that there would be rain. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, three years without rain, saying, go yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah is moving forward with that promise. And so we understand. So we pick it up in verse 41 of chapter 18. And Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat, and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. He heard rain coming. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again seven times. Go again seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. That would be the Mediterranean Sea. And he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down lest the rain stop you. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment so he could run, and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezebel. The miracle of water. Water is a miracle. Did you know that scientists, most scientists believe that water never leaves? There is a scientist that believes that in 100 years from now that, that we will be without water here. That, it, that the hydrant escapes the atmosphere, but, but that's a very rare view from what I've read about. And that water, God has made a world that generates water. It, it, it not makes new water, but it takes the water that we already have and it cycles. And we know that water can be solid, it can be gas, and it can be liquid, of course. And so that water cycle takes place. Rain falls, sits in the lake, sits in the rivers, goes down into the ground, then works its way out, comes out through the seas and different places. And of course, this day and time through water wells and things like that. And it just keeps on coming. I was listening to WBAP this week and, and they were telling a story from a scientist that really got my attention. I've been thinking about it all week. And the scientist believes that every time we take 
disciples believe every time we take a drink of water, that water has been in at least 10 people in history. Every drop. So I was thinking about it, and I had a cup of coffee there. And I thought, Kit Carson, Genghis Khan. Buffalo hump, not Geronimo, buffalo hump. Buffalo hump was a bad animal. Mm. William Wallace. And then I thought, why not? Maybe Elijah. He drank some water. Ooh, that tastes like Elijah. And then, of course, my mind went to, and maybe even, maybe, maybe even, there's a chance, there's a possibility, it might have happened, Jesus himself. Maybe. Now, I've given you a lunch conversation. Where has that water been that you just drank? When you drink Coke Zero tea, whatever you drink today at lunch, where has it been and who has it been in? And you can even wonder, which sewer has it been in? There you go. Rain, water, the miracle of water. First thing we can gather from this story is in verse 41, there was the sound of the rushing of rain. He had an idea rain was coming. He didn't even see it yet. They didn't feel it yet. He didn't know where it was, but he said, time is here. This is the time for the rushing of rain. You see, Elijah believed in what God had declared. Do you believe in what God has declared? Do you believe that God's promises are true? Elijah did. And so that's one of the things that we can gather from this scripture. In his instructions to Ahab, Elijah is believing God. We also see in verse 42, Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. Elijah is humble. He humbles himself. He bows before the Lord. And it's much like our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be thy name. He bowed before him. He is worshiping him. He is honoring him. He understands that God has declared that there would be rain. And Elijah bows before him reverently, respectfully, with fear, trusting and believing in, in what God's will is for him. He was, he was praying God's will literally. It's a good thing to pray God's will. It's a good thing to go through the Bible and see the things that we've been assigned to pray for. We are to pray for each other. We know that. When we pray for each other, we are praying God's will. We know that the Bible tells us to pray for workers for the harvest. When you pray for workers for the harvest, you are literally praying God's will. When you are praying that, that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you are praying God's will. He will hear your prayer. 
1 John 5 tells us that when we pray in according to his will, he hears us. He delights in that. We know that we are to pray for our preachers, that they will speak the word boldly, that they will speak the word clearly. And so when you pray for your preacher, when you pray for your teacher, you are literally praying the will of God. We know that we are to pray for open doors for the gospel. That's praying the will of God. We know that we are to pray that God's word be honored and spread rapidly in our community. That's what Paul prayed for. It's in the word. We are to pray that. And, and we can go through the, through the scripture and, and we can see what God has declared for us to pray about. And when you pray the will of God, there is a power with that. And that's simply what Elijah is doing here. He's praying what God has already declared would happen. He prayed the will of God. Look in verse 43. And his servant, and he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. He said, go again seven times. You see, when Elijah began to pray the will of God, Elijah began to look for the answer. He began to look for the answer. That's a powerful thing to me. When you pray for rain, get your umbrella out. When you pray for rain, get your raincoat out. Get your, get your wellies on. That's what they call it in England, your wellies, your rubber boots. Get them on. Get your rain boots on. When you pray for the will of God, look for it to happen. Focus on it. And he sends him up seven times, and just not seven times. We see there in verse 44, and at the seventh time. And so... First time, no sign. Second time, no sign. Third, fourth, fifth, sixth, no sign. On the seventh time, he saw a sign of rain. Hadn't seen it before. And so we learn here that Elijah persevered in praying the will of God. He didn't quit. He didn't give up. He didn't quit. He didn't give up. He kept on praying. He kept on looking until the seventh time. And then we read there in verse 44 and 45 that on that seventh time, the servant responds, returns and says, man, I see a little cloud over yonder and it's shaped like a man's hand. That's interesting, isn't it? Shaped like a man's hand. And when Elijah heard that, he quickly responded. He quickly reacted to what was to take place. And he assigns Ahab. He says, Ahab, get in your chariot and go down. Prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. Rain is about to come. Now, the rain hadn't happened yet. But his belief in God was such that he prayed the will of God. He prayed for the rain. He looked for the rain. He persevered in praying for the rain. And when there was that first sign of rain, he prepared everybody. Ahab, you need to get on down the hill now because you're going to get stopped by this rain unless you go now. Can you imagine what state of mind Ahab is in at this point after seeing the fire fall from heaven? And now he gets in his chariot. And it says in verse 45, in a little while, not right away, but in a little while, the heavens grew black 
and clouds came, and the wind blew, and there was a great rain. There was a great rain. When God does his thing, there is a great rain. When God decides to bless, there is a great blessing. When God decides to move, there is a great movement. When God decides to stir in people's hearts, there's a great stirring that happens. It was God's will that it rained. It was God's will that Ahab be defeated. It was God's will that the prophets be defeated. It was God's will that everyone would know that God is God. And once again here, you see it happening just like that. In your own life, pray in God's will. Persevere in praying for God's will. Keep on. Don't quit. Faithfully pray God's will. Trust and believe God on his promises that he's made to you. Trust him. Focus on him. Delight in him. Meditate on his promises. And, and stay before the Father with those promises. Not one time, not two times, not three times. Continue to pray. Because when God is ready... When the appointed time comes, whatever it is that's promised to us that you need in your life, it is going to come, and it is going to come in a great way. That's what he experiences here. In a little while, the heavens grew black, and the clouds and wind, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And look in verse 46. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. Elijah was experiencing something really remarkable. Elijah begins to experience something really unexplainable. Now think about this. The horse pulls the chariot. Okay? Horse can outrun a man, especially for a long way. And it's a long way from the top of Mount Carmel down to Jezreel. It's a long way. It's 20-some-odd miles. Elijah gets up. He's got, his, he's, he, he, he's got his robe on that we would think about. That's what we would think about it. He call it a garment here in the Scripture, and he girds it up. So he pulls off his robe, and he holds it in one hand, or maybe he, he tucks it in his belt so he can run. And the crazy thing is here, Elijah outran the chariot to Jezreel. And it's also fascinating here. Guess who's in Jezreel? Jezebel. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? He ran fast. He ran hard. Now, if you were in Elijah's shoes, I don't know if you'd run that fast to Jezreel. I don't, why did he go to Jezreel? Well, it's the Lord's will. It would make sense that he would go another direction, hide out from Jezebel. Ahab is getting kind of tender here. Ahab is at least listening a little bit to the instructions of Elijah. But Jezebel, holy cow. And Elijah ran faster than the chariot to Jezebel. Lesson we got here is this. When the hand of the Lord is on you, you'll see the unexplainables. When the hand of the Lord is on someone, you'll see the unexplainables, things you can't explain.
Can you explain how in the world Elijah was able to outrun the chariot? You can't explain that. How did that happen? The scripture tells us because the hand of the Lord was on him. Now, here's some things to think about from this story. First of all, God has created a wonderful world. Think about our world. Think about how it is. Think about water. Think about water. When I was a kid, my dad, every time it rained, we'd go watch the water. We lived out in West Texas. Sometimes it hadn't rained a long time. He would say, what are you doing, boy? I said, I'm, you know, doing this. And he'd, hey, let's go look at the water. Let's go look at the water. And down from our house off of Bell Street, if you've ever been to East San Angelo, down where the, the bridge now crosses the Concha River, it used to be a low water crossing. And, and I don't know why they built it, but they did back in those days, maybe in 1920, 1910. I don't know how it was. But they dammed up the Concha River right there, and they put a road on top of the dam. And when the Concha River would start catching all that water, it'd run over. It was more fun. Man, we, we all had... Back in those days, car tires had inner tubes in them. And we'd always have an inner tube ready. you fill it up with air, and you'd head down to the... To the uh, Bell Street Crossing, because on the other side, it was rapids. And if you grow up in West Texas and you get that kind of water, you go for it. Now, was it dangerous? Absolutely. Did it make sense? No. But man, we all did it. And it was so much fun. And, and there was a little lookout right over the river there. And my dad would always take me. We'd stand out there and go. And I remember like it was yesterday, my dad looking at me going, that's a lot of rain, son. Yep, Dad, that's a lot of rain. It's still coming. Yeah, Dad, it's still coming. And, you know, even today, like it rains pretty good two or three weeks ago, I drove to the north side of Lake Weatherford, and I stopped, and I looked over that bridge, and it wasn't running. And I went, what a disappointment, you know? It's supposed to be running. I said, I need to go get me an inner tube. I don't know how I'd get one, and I'm going to ride down that, that puppy. But the wonderful thing about water, it just recycles. It just recycles. God did that. I mean, without water, we don't survive. I mean, aren't we like 90-something percent water? And God, in his wonderful world, to detail, to master design, made it so that somewhere there's always water. Now, the water may not be here, and the water may not be in West Texas, and the water may not be in the drought areas, but there's always water somewhere. And then think about salt water from the oceans and how that water evaporates up into the sky and leaves the salt behind. That's an amazing thing. Now, you say, well, it's, you know, it's the weight of the... Man, I, but that didn't, that didn't fly with me because when it really rains, you ever thought, how did all that water stay up in the air for so long? I mean, when it really rains, how did... I mean, I can't believe it. That gully washer that we just experienced, that was up there in the sky. And so God somehow or another in his master design made it so that the salt stays in the ocean. Because what does salt do? It kills life. Doesn't it? You get too much salt on ground, it kills it. West of Big Lake, there's a place out there. There's nothing. You know why? All the salt came out of the salt, the oil wells. It killed, there's nothing, there's like in the moon. 
God did that. And if God did that with water, then all the things that God tells us about life is equally as unexplainable and as beneficial to us. So believe God, believe his word, apply it, because it's, he is faithful to what he said. God's creation is spectacular. And so is his master design for each one of us. Get in on some of that. Something else in this story that, and we'll see as we go through these stories with Elijah, at this particular time, Ahab is repentable. Wouldn't have seen that before, would you? But he's listening to Elijah. He's up there with Elijah, for God's sakes. He's up there with Elijah getting the instructions to get in his chariot, and Ahab got in his chariot. We said, well, of course he would. He saw the prophets, the prophets die. Well, perhaps, but regardless of how he got there, regardless of how he gives Elijah a listening ear, he's giving Elijah a listening ear. No one, no one is unrepentable. That's how we've got to view it. That's how we've got to move forward. That's how we've got to treat people. Now, if Ahab was around, you say, he's the worst guy in town. He's the reprobate. He's the one that we got to deal with. He's the, you know, whatever. But he was repentable. When the hand of the Lord is on people, the unexplainable happens. When the hand of the Lord, when they're humble, when they're fearing God, when they're obedient, when they're wholehearted, when they just want to do what God wants them to do, when they're just passionate about what God is passionate about, the hand of the Lord is all over them. The unexplainables happen. Something else we can learn from this scripture is this. When Elijah prayed here, Elijah prayed fervently. He prayed with passion. He persevered in his prayer. And Elijah prayed like everything depended on God. That's how we should pray. Pray like everything depended on God. Can Elijah make it rain? No, God said it was going to rain, but Elijah can't make it rain. And Elijah approaches God like everything depends on God, for it did. That's how we should pray. But there's a second part to this praying of Elijah that I think we need to think about a little bit. Elijah also prayed here like everything depended on him. Everything depended on God, but Elijah prayed like everything depended on him. That's how we should pray. That's how we should pray God's will. That's how faithfully we should be in prayer. That's how in our prayer life, there should be no quit, no quit to what God might do, no quit to the miracles, no quit to the unexplainables, no quit, no quit, persevere, persevere, because we should pray like everything depends on us. That's what God wants from us. And another lesson here that you just can't bypass in this story, don't limit God. Don't limit God. This is, that's what this story, I think, shouts out to us. 
God sent a great rain. It hadn't rained in three years. Don't limit God. Our prayers should not limit God. Our faithfulness should not limit God. Our obedience should not limit God. Don't limit God. That's what I see in Elijah at this particular point. That's where he's at. And the Bible tells us that Elijah was a guy just like us. And he wasn't limiting God. Not only did he walk close to the Baal prophets and the prophets of Asherah, he moved right to them. They could have torn him limb for limb, and he spoke boldly to them. He wasn't limiting God. And here he is giving Ahab instructions. The only way is because he's not limiting God. He's not limiting God. Where are you today? What's the circumstances in your world? What's the condition of your heart? Are you praying like everything depends on God? Are you praying like everything depends on you? Are you limiting God in your life? And as you think about all your worries, your struggles, your difficulties, all that's going on, how are you responding to them? Are you limiting God? Are you just kind of laying out there, you know, here's some things God can't fix. And maybe not in mind, but in practice. You remember we said last week in the story from Elijah, our opinions should be supported by our practice. Where are you? Where are you in that? I pray, Lord, that your spirit will speak to our hearts in this matter, that, Lord, that we will just be open to what you desire to do in our life, and may we learn from the rain falling. May we learn today from the lesson of Elijah in, in this passage today, in this story that we have read, and Lord, may you move amongst us and may the unexplainable happen. May the unexplainable happen. Lord, what do you want to do in our congregation this morning? May your spirit work. May your spirit speak to us today. Lord, it may be someone really discouraged. Speak to them. Maybe someone in a great deal of doubt today. May you speak to them, Lord. May you show them that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is Lord of all, that Jesus died on the cross for them. Perhaps there's someone here, Lord, that you've been working on for a long time and they're close to becoming one of your children. Lord, may they believe, may they trust. Speak to them, O oh Father. May your spirit move in our midst today. May we leave not limiting you. We pray, Father, for Brother Sambo's family this morning, for his church, 
Thank you for his willingness to die for you. You tell us, Lord, that the way that Satan is defeated is by our testimony and by your blood, story of the cross, and the fact that we're not unwilling to give up our lives. And so although I believe, God, that for that moment Satan believes he won a victory, we know, Lord, that what you're going to do in that part of Cambodia is going to be beyond the unexplainables. And you're going to move in a mighty way among the people of the Lord there, but also among those who are yet to believe. May a real revival happen. And Lord, may a real revival happen in our place. Begin in us, Lord. Renew our spirit. Renew our, our, our devotion to you, Lord. May we, may we worship with all of our heart and may we serve with all of our heart, wholeheartedly yours, because you are Almighty God. We praise your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, please come forward.